My name's Will DeFreeze, and this is the Sunday Scaries Podcast, your cure for the Sunday blues. Today's guest reads celebrity memoirs so you don't have to. The Celebrity Memoir Book Club, hosted by Claire Parker and Ashley Hamilton, is the book podcast I never knew I needed. From Prince Harry to Emily Ratajkowski to Lena Dunham, they don't hold any punches when it comes to calling these celebrities out on some of the outrageous passages that grace their memoirs. Claire, Ashley, welcome to the Sunday Scaries podcast. How are we doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'm also great. We've been eating tacos for 24 hours now, and I've never felt better. That's pretty much the Austin way. Like, whenever someone comes into town, they just pretty much sit and go taco place to taco place. It's not a bad way to do it. I ate so many tacos last night, and then we got flan. I ate it before bed. I left it on my nightstand. I woke up, finished it for breakfast. And this is the thing I don't condone. <laughs> we have a live show tonight. We'll see if I make it or not. You don't like breakfast flan? I No, it's not breakfast flan. I don't like the way Claire doesn't refrigerate her perishables and then keeps it. eating them. It's I not that it. I don't. It's just sometimes things don't get refrigerated. And I, I think the, for, the refrigeration company is like a myth. I think expiration dates are a myth. I think we're all a lot sturdier than the FDA would like us to believe. See, oh, my God. We, we've had to do the thing lately where we don't have room in our refrigerator to like put like extra pizza in there if we get le- leftover pizza. And so I've just been putting it in the oven. And then like the next morning, I'm like, I really don't feel like I should be eating this piece of pizza. But I, I kind of want to eat this piece of pizza right now. I think if it stays room temperature, like you don't want to leave it in the sun. I think if it's in a cool (laughs) box in a dark area, I'm a big – We have to talk about something else. (laughs) I feel nauseous. I believe so wholly in the power of just turning off the lights and letting like the darkness of a room keep something cool, including myself. I won't turn on AC. I'm like take a deep breath, sit in the dark, and just like regulate your body temperature. The worst thing that's ever happened to me (laughs) is getting on like food safety TikTok and like watching some videos about – I'm trying. I honestly – I've started – after I make rice and I'm storing the leftovers, I like time how long I leave it out for. I can't wait till we talk about anxiety. anxiety. Anxiety later in the episode. I have started like freaking out about the way that I store like recently cooked rice. I mean, we can kick off with anxiety. I have a very general question for you guys. Yeah. What have you guys felt anxious about lately? Oh, my entire life. Just everything? I would say I'm not an anxious person. I will say this job has brought tinges of anxiety because – I, you know, people are literally saying, no, I do hate you. Your hair is ugly. Your personality does suck. Your voice is grating. And I will say that is tough to beat back when the proof is in the pudding. So you, you, you're reading the comments clearly. Just, I, just I try not doing to. Doing what but everyone says not to do when you host a podcast. I know. I, it's so hard to not ever read the comments because the thing is, I we like constructive feedback. I think if you look at the comments that are good and the way our show has evolved since we started it, there have been good moments of feedback that we've really incorporated. And there's other feedback that people need to keep. Literally the other day, someone reached out and told us that I say, you know what I mean too much. And to that, I say, shut the fuck up. I I don't know what else to say. That's how I end my sentences. I guess they don't know what I mean. Someone (laughs) called me out one time for saying, I will say, like, I will say. Is it because your name is Will? I don't know. Like, but it's just kind of, it's my way of almost inserting myself in a podcast to be like, hey, I actually have something to say. Like, let's all look at me for a second. It's like, it's almost like a, a mechanism that I inadvertently use in order to get my word in sometimes on things. And I think this might stem from my wife having three sisters and like whenever I'm at dinner with them, I'm like trying to get in. Mm -hmm. But it's like, yeah, when people comment on that, I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't think about that. Can I say everybody in the world has a verbal crutch (laughs) and just not everybody in the world is listening to hours of themselves on repeat. And that's the difference. For these people to be like, hey, could you please speak like a news anchor? Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, why don't you record yourself ever (laughs) in your life and let me know how you're doing? Because the other thing is, I think what people like about our podcast is that we're two BFFs just chatting. And of course we have our books that we're basing our podcast on, but it's a lot of us just being alone in a room forgetting that like literally so many people are listening. And it's like, if you want me to cut out all my little verbal tics and the likes and the ums and the the casual parts, the then you're going to have a completely different podcast. Very sterile, very yeah. quickly. Well, see, I'm lucky because because this is a Sunday Scaries podcast, people go into it knowing that like I'm a little fragile and so they can't be like that hard on me where like, Ashley, you recently referred to yourself as a snarky Midwest hater. And I kind of identify with that in a way. I don't even remember saying that, but it's spot on. (laughs) (laughs) You have so much self-awareness that you don't even know about. (laughs) 
I think this was in the Caroline Calloway defense of Lena Dunham episode. And I was like, you know what? I really enjoy the idea of snarky Midwest hater because I think that's something that I can identify with very well. Do you guys kind of open yourself up a little bit to a little more uh, maybe it gives people a license to be a little more like rough in their commentary with you guys because of yeah. That, people have very specifically said mean things to us and then been like, well, you guys are always ribbing people, so why can't you take it back? And I'm like, I feel like the context is so different. I'm not saying this at their face. You're DMing this to me. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I also true. do find it ironic when people will be like, you're such evil cunts. We hate you. And I'm doing this because you were mean to someone. And I'm like, wow, truly try being the change. It's very ironic to be like, how dare you criticize Correct. somebody? I'm going to tell you, you should kill yourself. Yeah. And I'm like, well, is that also, not a criticism? <laughs> and I mean, and they're also, uh, they're also defending someone that they most likely do not know in terms of like a celebrity. Who yes. Wrote a memoir. Yeah. I yeah. mean, one of the hills I will die on is that most celebrities have bad personalities and people <laughs> love to project like what they think of someone on. I mean, they love to project these little seedlings they get of interviews and social media and all these other platforms, especially memoirs have really opened us up to who someone is at their core, which is something we never should have known about most of these people. And so they will have watched like four movies and be like, this person is incredible, iconic, so strong. And you're like, there was a pulley system. They weren't lifting that rock. They're not mm. strong. I just don't know what you think you're like, what person you've invented, but that's not who anybody is, especially someone who has pursued fame, which is hugely embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the entire concept concept of your podcast is pretty brilliant. I mean, it, you, you you have an endless supply of things to do. It is a hilarious concept just because people do love ribbing those celebrities and making fun of them. And or or there are cases where you guys are nice to celebrities too. If I, you are credit vulnerable where credits due. and honest, we will give you credit for that. Who came up with the idea? Um, is there one Jessica party Simpson more than the other? <laughs> <laughs> and Mariah Carey basically are like the way we came to be is we started out five years ago with a Britney Spears podcast mm -hmm. that maybe had 30 listeners and we didn't no, know it had like 50 listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley stands by it. But we stopped it when the news of her conservatorship started breaking through on like Britney talk. Yeah. Or not Britney talk, but Twitter. That's when you really start. That's, when, you, that's when your mentions are going to get real. Ugly. And we didn't really want to be a part of that conversation anymore. There was actually another Britney podcast hosted by comedians like us in LA. And they kind of started the whole Britney movement as we know it today. And we were like, I don't know that two comedians should be the forefront of like law. Yeah. yeah. Of an imprisoned woman's freedom. So we were like, we don't want to do this anymore. We tried a friendship about a podcast about friendship that backfired because we fought constantly. It was called Burn a Fight with Claire and Ashley and it turns out talking about how much you fight with your friend only leads to more fights with your friends. But then we came back to like we want to talk about pop culture but we were really interested in like what is the ethical consumption of pop culture? Like mm -hmm. how do we talk shit about the people that we're looking at and are making money off of our obsession without doing to them what we did to Britney? Mm -hmm. And we felt like by reading their memoirs it's like okay they co-signed this. They wrote it. It's they true. sold it it's to true. us. The number yeah. one comment we got on TikTok is why is this your business? And I'm like well it's their business. Well, they went on a book tour to say, hey, you guys, I'm selling you my business. We Read really, this. I really want you guys to be in my business right now. Mm -hmm. And it is like literary criticism. And it's so funny how much people will be like, well, you're not taking into consideration this thing. And I'm like, if they didn't put it in the book, that's their fault. They had all the time. They all have the an resource unlimited. In the world. They, they don't have a page cap. I'm pretty sure they have a page minimum for the most <laughs> part. So if they didn't give us context for a specific story, that is entirely on them. <laughs> do you guys get relaxation out of reading? I mean, do you did you read a lot before you had this podcast or did you just Yeah. I mean, okay. We, well, we joke we're the only two liberal arts majors that are fully pursuing. I studied English. I have an English major. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I majored in television, radio and film. So, we might be the only two people <laughs> with expensive liberal arts college degrees that are using them for our jobs. <laughs> we do radio about reading. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's I mean, that's a noble noble thing to do Thank from you. that that degree. How do you choose what memoirs you choose? That is hands down like the most asked question that I got from a lot of the listeners that were reaching out. It's a very precarious balance of a lot of factors. So first of all, is it someone that people are interested in or talking about right now, but not too interested in and talking about too much right now? Because if there's already like an enormous conversation around someone, our podcast gets a little bit lost in the shuffle. So it's like who it, – essentially what we're looking for is who are these celebrities that you don't think about them every day, but when you hear their name, you think, what's up with them? Mm -hmm. Like everyone's mm -hmm. curious, but not – it's never at the front of your mind. For mm -hmm. example, we did J-Lo right when the Ben Affleck relationship with her started – 
kicking up steam or whatever. And that was one of our worst performing episodes, I think, which is crazy. But I guess there's such a saturation of her in the media. Yeah. And then I think you can, you're like, yeah, I don't need to hear about her life. I know her life. I, I get it fed to me every day. Meanwhile, Alina Dunham does well. Or who randomly, I feel like, um, I don't know. Can you think of somebody random who you'll be like, I didn't think they would do so well, but I think like an Olivia Munn is yes, someone. Yes, Olivia who... Munn was our first pop off episode. <laughs> that makes that makes sense. This is uh, this is one of those episodes that I currently have downloaded that I'm very excited. I'm I I'm not the biggest Olivia Munn person. I don't really have any any you know fight in that. So yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited to listen because I've heard that it's a delightful episode of uh. Uh, I actually don't even know the word. I hear it's a very high energy episode. It's it's wild. It's, <laughs> it's like only... a real snarky Midwest hater episode. Okay, perfect. <laughs> She's perfect. one of the only memoirists we've ever read who wrote their book for the audience of 14-year-old boys. <laughs> like just trying to impress them and like get them yeah. horny? Like literally it's like, here's some sex advice. You know when you're in ninth grade and you've just grown a beard for the first time and you're like, okay, who is this for? Yeah. <laughs> Like, no, how do you know about doing that? Yeah, you're like, so you really did not think that one woman or adult would buy this book. <laughs> do, have you guys ever gotten direct blowback from somebody that you've covered? Like, I I mean, I'm sure that you've gotten, you. I'm sure you get so much, you know, so many comments from other people, but have you ever had someone reach out directly to you and be like, what's your fucking problem? Last night was like one of our first direct really? blowback though. We've never, I don't think, we are so much smaller than the celebrities we covered that for the most part, I think it would only help us for them to reach out and yeah. acknowledge it. Yeah. Um, we just covered Steak Tooth. So Rachel Finley was like a cool Tumblr girl who mm -hmm. now has a fashion brand. And she saw that we covered her and reached out and was like, love your coverage. Thanks, guys. And we've had that a couple times with like random small memoirists, I feel like. Not small, but like online. not hugely famous and like chronically online people. Mm -hmm. I mean, the format of what you do is is something that I really enjoy taking in. I, I yeah. like breaking things down piece by piece and doing that. And that's something that I did early on uh, when I was writing. I would take certain things that I'd read that I was like, this is such an insufferable column that I can't let this skate by. I have to expose this person for how bad this is. And then I started doing it with weddings. And I started making fun of people's wedding announcements because I was like, I oh that. my God, the New York Times is so miserable. We are such wedding haters. Unfortunately. <laughs> well, now I feel guilty because I had one I had one column go absolutely crazy. Then like Daily Mail picked it up. And then all these other things started picking it up. Not my coverage of it, but just the wedding itself. And then mm -hmm. I started to feel this guilt because I was like, like, oh, I think I just ruined their wedding day. Can I tell you that happened to me one time when I got engaged? I'm like anti-engagement ring for the sake of engagement ring culture. Mm -hmm. I can't the thing that gives me like the biggest ick is when a woman gets engaged and everybody's like, he did good. Or like the fact that when I got engaged, the only thing anyone cared about was like seeing the ring. Yeah, let's see the ring. And I can't, I cannot stand that. And I could not stand it so much that I like was like, I won't get one to spite you people. Mm -hmm. Because like this is more important to me than an accessory. Um, but so when I got engaged, kind of as a joke, I was like, oh, send me photos of like horrible hometown rings that you've seen. <laughs> and as I was getting – and the, they were horrible. Like I got an American flag-inspired engagement ring, which is like tough stuff. And I can't sit here – I would never defend it. But as I was getting them, I was like, oh, you know what? The people who got these like love them and I don't want to shit on them. And then someone even sent me a ring was like, what do you think about this one? And I was like, I don't know. This just looks like a normal ring that's kind of dirty. And it turned out it was her ring. That, see, that's – she's like, asking game, for I literally it. was like game over, bitch. Yeah, you done. cannot turn we this on play this game. And that's the thing is they – Whoever is wearing that ring every day either loves it or loves the person that gave it to them enough to act like they love it every single day. So it's just like, I don't, I don't know, man. It's hard. There's a Talking big, about weddings, though, is so – we Wait, can I say something really quickly? Yeah. I think there's a big difference, and I want to say it right here on this podcast, and commenting on someone's post and sending it to a group chat. Yes. And we as a society, I think TikTok has really broken that because it's become this, like, social media platform that's anonymous, like – Tumblr or something. Do you know what I mean? It has yeah. this anon anonymity where people are now just saying rude fucking things to people's faces. We need to go back to the days of Instagram where you would send it to your friends in the DM mm -hmm. and make fun of them behind their back, mm -hmm. like civilized yeah. people not, with a conscience. Yeah, Especially because like I know I'm just like a bitchy hater girl. And so if I'm saying something mean about someone, like there is no reason that they should take stock in it. Do you know what I mean? Like me saying something mean about someone else's wedding, there is no reason that they should feel hurt by it or that they should care about my opinion at all. So if you were to comment on their photo, it's like they do now. Like they think that like lots of people are mad at them and it's like no one's – you shouldn't – don't let these people affect you. 
They're it, idiots. It's scary. And, and you yeah. guys, I mean, you've probably had an, a huge uptick in just like your own comments and things like that. Like, do you, do you try not to read them? Do you guys welcome I, it? Do you do whatever? I mean, I do, you test, do you say that you don't read it and then you actually read it? Like, what do you do? I, I don't s- read it. I read a lot. Ashley is more into it. <laughs> I think I've gotten better at like tuning out constructive versus bitchy feedback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but some things piss me off a lot. You guys I, get a ton of feedback. Like yeah. I feel like we get a ton of feedback here. You guys get so much more feedback than we do. And, and I think it's a product of just how how your podcast is laid out. I think it's that. I think it's that we're women. I yeah. think that like women's lives are more open. Like, you know what I mean? I like I show a video of myself and people have comments on how my hair looks, how my makeup looks, what my outfit looks like, your weight. Like, you know what I mean? The thing yeah, is when you're like, a woman, okay. I have a friend who used to be in our podcast Facebook group and she told me the other day that she had to leave because she got so mad that someone commented something about my fiance and then being like, I don't know. I just think she should be with someone better. I have never shown a photo of my fiance. I almost never I tried to find him. a photo of your fiance, if I'm being honest, just to like, I lock, I'll, I could show you personally after this, but I keep him the fuck off the internet and it, and they've never even met me. It's like the preposterous idea that somebody who's never met me has an idea about my fiance they've never even seen is like crazy. What if you guys have like a live show, which congratulations on all your live shows that Thank you have you. in the Thank pipeline. You. Actually, say what live shows you have in the pipeline right now just so that people know it and they can go to your site right now and go get tickets when they want to. When is this coming out? This will be coming out Sunday. So your okay. Austin and oh, yeah. Dallas shows will not be. No, they will, they will be long gone. But Seattle and Portland, we are on our way probably as you're listening to this. So right now, if you live in Seattle or Portland, grab some ticks. And we also added two extra shows in Dublin and London because our first two sold out. So if you guys are international. We also have like eight or nine in the pipeline right now that we'll announce as soon as we're allowed. Yes. Do you guys get anxiety ahead of like live shows? We're both stand-up comedians so by that's trade. Gotta, that's so got to help so much. I mean, like we do the podcast to get people to come watch us do stand-up. Correct. That was like, okay. this was a side project that took over our whole lives. Is that the end goal? Stand-up? To, to do stand-up like full-time? Do comedy full-time? I don't, do that? now that I've experienced a creative job as a full-time, I realize that nothing you love can be your full-time job because <laughs> it becomes a job. And I'm actually right. almost grateful that I never took off as a stand-up because it like has left it as something that I can truly do for myself and that I love. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is my, I love my, like this is my full-time job. I absolutely love it. But there are times when it becomes stressful and you start being like, why did I turn this into it? But yeah. at the end of the day, the net gain of it is so, so much further that oh, it's 100%. like, I would much rather be here uh, on a bad day than sitting at a desk at a shitty a, a shitty office where every day feels like a oh yeah a very meh day last night we got drunk on margaritas and we kept on being like i can't believe this is our job and we like yeah, turn nice. our it's friendship into a job <laughs> and we get to just like get drunk on margaritas and be in texas to perform our job <laughs> well before i get into some more questions i do want to speak to one of our uh, sponsors for today's episode our good friends over at early bird cbd are sponsoring today's episode if you're not familiar with early bird gummies they are a recreational hemp product that contain around two and a half milligrams of THC and around 12 and a half milligrams of CBD in each gummy. These are formulated for fun and to make you feel good. Uh, to expand on this a little bit, these people use these for all different things. If you guys want to have one before going out, you can do that. If you're a little hungover on your couch, you can pop one of those and just kind of tune out to some Love Island. Whatever you want to do, it's the perfect microdose of THC to make you feel great without getting you know too lit up. Uh, Early Bird's based in Austin. We have a very good connection with this company. They're absolutely wonderful. And uh, we do have a discount code to get 20% off everything at earlybirdcbd.com. It is promo code WIX, W-I-C-K-S, as in the candle wick, earlybirdcbd.com, promo code WIX for 20% off everything. Let's see. Let's talk anxiety real quick. I asked you guys this earlier, but we kind of skipped over it immediately. Do you guys have anything frivolous or tiny or even big that you've been anxious about lately? Uh, I, I'll start to, to kind of, you know, comfort the room a little bit. Uh, my wife told me I had bad breath two weeks ago. And ever since, I've been, like, keeping my distance from people when I talk to them because I'm like, do I have bad breath right now? It's just caused me unnecessary anxiety. Oh I had to ask my coworkers the other day. I have a good one. And we have such a good story about what happened to us last weekend. One year ago, my boyfriend told me that oh my God, sometimes I don't – like in a group, I don't ask people enough questions about themselves. And, and I feel like where this comes from is it's not my fault. I get nervous because like people move and they'll be like – they want to talk about the podcast and then it's very easy to talk about pop culture with a stranger. Mm-hmm. Like it's a common denominator. Mm-hmm. And then that takes over and I always feel bad because I feel like online people are like, you're never supposed to ask somebody what their job is. So now I feel rude being like, and what do you do? If they're, you know what I mean? I don't want to like put it back on them and we have a conversation already going. And I, then everybody's like, it's rude to ask somebody if they're dating. Like, I don't know what questions you're allowed to ask anymore. And the conversation's already kicked off. Right? Well, We're it's a weird dynamic too, because like a lot of people don't want to talk about their jobs when they're out. Whereas yeah. like we have jobs that are a little more 
I don't, they're not more interesting, but they're just different. Like interesting completely depends on what your interests are, but we have a much different job that very few people have. And so it's, it's kind of a weird dynamic when like people ask about it because it's like, do you want me to ask you a bunch of questions about your accounting job right now? Well, even like our job is based on things that people want to talk about. Like we have like made a job out of talking about pop culture and celebrities and stuff, which is what people do on their free time. So then you're at a party and it is an easy topic Mm -hmm. and I'm quite knowledgeable. And because we analyze pop culture so heavily, a lot of times you and I have a perspective that we talk about every day that a lot of other people are a little bit interested in diving deeper into. We have a lot of conspiracy theories. We have a lot of like more risque theories about celebrities that when I'm in a conversation with people who like aren't a part of this world and you start talking, we tend to monopolize the conversation because people are like, well, tell me what you know about so-and-so. And And I'm like, well, I read their entire book. And so I have like a pretty (laughs) in-depth Do you have any, do you have any harmless risque conspiracy theories about any celebrities that you can bring to light? I was an early adopter of Gaylor. Okay. (laughs) I like was, I've been telling people about the Carly kiss for 10 years now. Since before it happened, I actually manifested it. (laughs) I'm trying to think of some of the ones I have. Oh, the Selena Gomez stuff. People are always shocked to hear that she was in rehab and that she's like, has an addiction problem. I just assume that yeah. a lot of celebrities just go to I rehab think, when they. But she has like a billion like, dollar PR. Yeah. I mean, she has the PR team of the century. Well, she's probably. I mean, she's like one of the most. Isn't she the most followed person on Instagram? Or yes. Close to. Yes. Got, yeah. You got to have a billion dollar PR person. You got to have a billion dollar PR. Um, I was talking about Lizzo and her boyfriend recently. I just, I like, I knew him a long time ago, so I think. You know, I like really stole the conversation there at a bachelorette party recently. And I'm like, I didn't mean to. I meant to us, for us all to bat it back and forth. I just had it insider info. You guys actually probably have a very easy way of commandeering a group dinner when start, people start lobbing questions your way about things and we that don't you're knowledgeable mean to. about. And I think like one of my, like I, I feel like it comes from a place of not trying to like only talk. But if somebody's more nervous, I talk so fast and I talk, I like have something to say so quickly that if there's a silence, I don't want to like put a burden on somebody. Like I try to fill it out of kindness. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I get it. Yeah. I get it. I, I am, I am married to somebody who recently left a dinner with another couple and she looked over at me and she goes, did I talk too much? And I was like, no, I'm not going to say yes to this question, but <laughs> I don't think you did. But like, it was just like, I mean, if you're wondering this right now, maybe, I don't know. Probably. I also, yes. <laughs> we hang out with comedians and I do feel like comedians talk competitively. And so there's this feeling of like, if they have something to say, they'll interrupt me. Mm-hmm. And I'd almost prefer that. Like, I don't want to have to ask you, I want you to tell me what's going on with your life. And like, if you tell me, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, please, please tell me about yourself mm-hmm. instead of like sitting and waiting to be asked. Anyway, we went to a party recently where the group of people that I thought he was specifically talking about that I don't ask enough questions were there. And so I sat down and you, have you ever sat down with people and you're like, oh, did I just interrupt like a story about an affair? Like you're like, like what did I just sit like, down? There was all an intensity. The there was an intense energy that was like not receptive at all to our words. Yeah. And I got there first and I'm like – I could tell they didn't want me there and I didn't know what to do. And so I just kept pounding them with questions to try to be like, and where do you live? And how do you like <laughs> you guys? You, I, you had to have seen this TikTok of, I don't remember her name, but she's hilarious. And I do follow her on TikTok and she's hilarious because she's a little awkward. But somebody pretty much came up to her and they were like, we don't really love your energy at our party. Is there any way that you can leave this party? Have you seen this? No. It's like now my worst nightmare because for the longest, I moved down here um, from Michigan, from the Midwest to be a snarky Midwest hater down in Texas. <laughs> and... Um, when I did that, I, it took about four years after dating my now wife to get the comfortability around people at weddings and stuff. It was like, well, I only see these people at random weddings yeah. every once in a, once a quarter. So like, how can I enter this conversation and not look like the total dork who's just like, hey guys, like mm-hmm. I'm the plus one of Sally. And everyone, everyone's like, yeah, okay. This yeah. guy just walked in on this conversation that we know everything about. And it's just, it's just a little uncomfortable. So we were there. And so we'll, we'll listen to what happened to me. So we're there and I'm sitting first and I am like fighting for my life to ask them as many questions that would, as would make me a polite person. Ashley sits down. She feels it too. We're trying as hard as we can. And finally the girl gets up and leave. And her boyfriend comes over later and he's like, oh, are we seeing you guys tomorrow? And I was like, why? What's tomorrow? And he's like, it's her birthday. We're having a party. And I and go. And she starts signaling. She's like. It's literally not a big deal. I'm not it's kidding. Not a big like she's Hands like doing an X motion, <laughs> going don't Just, don't. No. And I literally go, I don't think I'm invited. He goes, of course you're invited. And I look over and she's literally saying no. <laughs> and so have I ever she been keeps asking, going? It's a small party. It's not a big thing. It's Mm-mm. no big deal. <laughs> Invitation only. It's so small. I only invited the last 200 people that we walked into <laughs> randomly on the street, but. 
not we're you. capped. <laughs> but I actually got to go home and feel a lot better because I was like, he had me over here feeling like I was so rude. But actually, they just hate me in a way that I cannot question my way out. <laughs> I mean, you seem like people that can actually laugh about this after the fact instead of sitting on your couch on Sunday and getting like actual anxiety over it. Is that fair? Do you guys get Sunday scaries ever? I. I've, yeah, I don't drink a lot, and I think that that helps. I I genuinely think that definitely does help. I think people underrate. I mean, I don't. I think people know how much that affects your mood and how much that affects your Sunday. But I think that that is probably the number one thing that people can cut out in order to make sure, like, oh yeah, Sunday can be a really productive and nice fun day. Yeah, I used to get a lot of anxiety about not actually being invited places. Like I used to get a lot of anxiety that like when people invited me somewhere, they were doing it because they felt like they had to. And I guess this is actually the first time I've ever had someone invite me to a party that I like knew for sure they didn't actually mean because she was sitting there Xing saying, no, you can't come. <laughs> yeah, Ashley was my plus one to this event. So. But I do have a lot. I, I, for a long time growing up, I had a lot of anxiety that when someone was like, oh yeah, we're going to like be going over to so-and-so's house later just to like hang out in the backyard if you want to come. I, I always kind of took if you want to come or any of that to be like, I'm inviting you because you're standing here, but yeah. I don't actually want you there. And then I kind of had a revelation about the fact that I might be a huge narcissist that I like think – not that I am a huge narcissist, but I was like, okay, this fear, the fact that I think someone should like – ultra specifically invite me like I need a written invitation to be like we're hanging out and it would mean the world if you came like that's crazy to think that I should get that so if someone casually invites you like go or don't go but just like be a good vibe I, I've done this exact same thing like a yeah. million times in my life but think about the way think about like the the wave of that emotion because like you yes. go from being like nobody wants me here like why would you want me there and then suddenly you're like wait I'm thinking of this situation revolving around me am I a narcissist yes. and suddenly you're like you're on two opposite opposite sides of the spectrum. And I think when those two things hit heads, like that's where the anxiety just like explodes. And you're yeah. like, uh, why, why am I overthinking literally everything? Yeah. I'm, I just had that on the other side where I had a friend be like, I just, I just don't know if you guys want to hang out with me. And I'm like, well, when I invite you, that's when you should come. And she's like, well, I'm scared I'm interrupting. And I'm like, okay, but what you do to me then when you can't just say, hey, what are you doing later is it puts all the onus on me mm -hmm. to like not only invite you, but then set up a schedule, send you a GCAL invite. And I'm like, do you see how much work you're putting on me to like make our friendship work when I'm telling you, no, just text me and see if I'm free and I'll tell you. And the thing about me is I, if I'm not free, I'll tell you if I'm busy. Like I am kind of confrontational and I feel like I try to do that to be nice to people because I'm like, you never have to sit at home and be like, is Claire mad at me? Because if I'm mad at you. It's very Oh, trust clear. me. It's trust obvious. me. I know that you two are confrontational. I was I was uh I was like I, I don't really get nervous before interviews. I kind of get I get a little worried sometimes if there's not going to be a rapport or something. I've never been outnumbered on a podcast like with you two right now. This is the first time Ooh. that like I'm alone, but I live I've listened to so many episodes at this point that like it it's one of those things you've heard it a million times. You'll hear it tonight at your show like I feel like I know you. Yeah. Um but it's like I don't know. Do you do you feel this same? You feel this way in your personal life. Do you feel this way when it comes to your career? Because the anxiety that starts to bubble up, it kind of feels the same to me sometimes. But then other times, I don't feel that in my career. I'm like, no, I deserve to be here. I deserve to do this. I can do this. I feel both. You can go, Ash. Yeah, I guess I feel both things. I think sometimes I'm like, I've worked so hard. Like, why am I not getting certain opportunities? And mm -hmm. then I like feel anxious that way. And then I'll turn it around and be like. I feel like anxiety in every direction pretty constantly and I feel like a lot of times I have to like piece it out and calm myself down and be like, what are you even saying with this? Like what you were saying earlier when you like are like, well, why would they have invited me if they didn't want me to come? But like should I not go or like should – I mean I think what you were saying about the GCAL invite and putting so much work on someone else to like convince you to go somewhere. I'm like why do I expect to be begged to come out? I think with I actually forgot what I was saying, but what I want to say now, with the career, I think that we have numbers and I think that that helps a lot. I can be like, okay, people have bought a ticket because they want to come and they're excited to see us and like we've been performing for a long time and we know what we're doing. And so I just have to like trust that we can put on a good show and that we like deserve to be in these spaces because like we failed for a really long time. Where did you move to New York from? Because you moved from the Midwest to New York, right? No, I moved well, I was from Chicago or like okay. the suburbs of Chicago. And then I lived in LA for a couple of years and then I moved to New York. Okay. Okay. I feel like it'd be hard to have like imposter syndrome when you're a stand-up and you're like, no, I'm putting myself out there as much as I possibly can. Yeah. I feel like you just get enough actual proof and like the feedback is in the room. And that's yeah. why I like live events the most is because you're not like guessing how things went. Like you can hear exactly how they're going. It's crazy to hear somebody say like, that's why I like live events the most 
else because like 99.9% of the world is like sitting in a room talking about my interests in front of that many people would be absolutely like shocking to them. I love constructive criticism. I know that sounds like counter to everything I said about ignoring all the reviews and the comments and everything, but I love that in stand-up, if you do a not funny joke, nobody laughs. And now you've not wasted a minute thinking that that's funny. Mm -hmm. And I like love that. And now I think in New York post-pandemic, I call it like the improvification of stand-up where you go to an open mic and everybody's supportive and everybody's laughing and they're all like in the back like, ha, ha, ha. And you're like, no, when I came up, nobody even looked up from their phone for the first six years I did stand-up because I wasn't funny. So you're getting a better reception now that people are out and like about no i'm saying like in open mics when you're getting good people like, like the other comedians at an open mic whereas uh, it used to be cutthroat and like people uh, didn't okay. even listen people okay. would talk in the back the whole time yeah, yeah, yeah but that's how you got good because you had to like get funny enough to be worthy of attention yeah. and now there's this like real democratization ever everyone's like we're gonna listen to everybody's set and we're gonna laugh and we're gonna be supportive and mm-hmm. i don't think that that's how you get funny like i like when it's vicious and there's no time to like wallow in something that doesn't work yeah, I think that's so noble and something that like so many people could take something away from because I, I'm scared of that vicious nature of people. Like I'm scared of the confrontation. Like I'd rather send an email than have a tense meeting. I would rather do those kind of things. It's just, it's just uncomfortable sometimes. But let me ask you this. If you were writing a column that was not at all funny, would you rather the confrontation once early on or would you rather wait two years and not understand why nothing's going well? Like I feel like with stand-up, the me- it's not kind to allow somebody to succeed or like to allow somebody to think something works when it doesn't. Yeah, Because yeah. eventually I, you'll get to the audience that's not going to give you credit for shit. It's <laughs> like, I can't believe I'm comparing it to this because this is so fucking stupid, but like Shark Tank. I always <laughs> love it when someone goes on Shark Tank and they're like, how long have you been doing this? They're like, eight years. How much money have you put into it? Uh, all my savings, $250,000. And they're like, why are you still doing this? It's not working. Like, get out of here. Cut <laughs> your, fu- I mean, so many people need to hear cut your losses Again, I, f- yeah. I feel that way. I don't know what would have happened to me and Ashley if it wasn't for this podcast. At some point, I would have had to admit, we were like, I think we're eight or nine years in. Yeah, we were floundering for a bit. For seven to eight years. And at well, some point- I wouldn't say we were floundering for seven to eight years. I think your first couple of years, you're trying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The last, <laughs> the first few years, you're new. But I'd say you're five, you're, you're, you're seven, and we were floundering. Tail, that's <laughs> when we were floundering. But I also wanted to say about like the tense email versus- the tense conversation, I think it really depends for me because if it is just like an exchange of information, sure, an email is great. Mm -hmm. But I think if there's like any feedback that needs to happen, like I like hearing people and seeing people when we're discussing something because if there are like four ideas in play, I don't want to put equal work into all four ideas if that it's like very clear by the look on someone's face that like there's only one idea that they're genuinely interested in. Mm -hmm. Like I have no, it's so much work to like, be like, okay, here are the four ideas. And then they send back like, okay, sounds great. Excited to see how these develop. But like if you had had a meeting and like talked to them, you can really see like they like idea number two and the other ones, they just like feel weird and don't know what to say. And like a lot of people like just having options. So now you're going to like put all of your resources into all four things and present them with like four complete like packages. And really you could have just done one or two because you can tell, like, you know, the feedback from the beginning. If you got, let's hypothetically say that you wanted to cover a book, a memoir, and that celebrity was somebody that you could have sit in with you on a live show and do it. Would you break it down in front of them? Would you be willing to do that and like actually like give them that raw feedback that you guys are so used to I'm giving? I'm a fucking coward. I think we got a DM last night from our last memoir. I literally Claire burrowed into her bed. I won't read it. <laughs> I read it. I think it was nice. She was I, – I, well, I gave her writing a 6 out of 10, and I saw that she mentioned that, and I was like – Oh, yeah. I would rather not have people – I mean, unless it's somebody who can like – who's down to laugh at themselves, I'd rather be honest to the audience behind someone's back. As I said, keep it in the group chat, even if the group chat's yeah. a live show of 500 <laughs> people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it really depends. I think it would just like skew the energy of the room too much for it to actually be fun. I think you're right. Like you guys are clearly having fun and you clearly yeah. have a good rapport. I think having someone in there who could potentially take offense to that, but you still, st- I mean, you still, st- you stood up to people before on the podcast. It's not like a, it's not something, but you're not standing up to that exact person who had those exact thoughts and those exact words. I also think it would, if it was like a one-on-one conversation, I'm a crazy person. Claire's a, so people, people think, think I'm the bitch. Ashley's the psycho. She's like that. You're just under the radar. (laughs) The thing is, I think that if I was in an actual conversation, like one-on-one or like two-on-one with one of them, I would stand by pretty much everything I've ever – not everything I've ever said. Sometimes I like exaggerate things for comedic effect. And if it was really going to hurt someone's feelings, I would be like, oh, never mind. Tone down that exaggeration. This was fine. But I think in a situation where we're bringing them like onto our show – 
I would have a hard time being fully honest because it's not like an even playing field. Like, mm-hmm. sure, they're the celebrity memoirist and we're just podcasters. But if they're coming onto our show, we're coming in with our audience who is more likely down to be on our side. And it would feel like a pile on if yeah, we said mean that's fair. things. That's a good way instead of it feeling like construct like instead of it feeling like classic criticism, it would feel like we're piling on to like hurt their feelings. Yeah. Also I feel like one of the reasons our show does work and isn't just two girls being mean for no reason is we are punching up. Yeah. Like there is an inherent power to having the privilege of writing a memoir. And sometimes Correct. people come out and they're like, these are just innocent people who struggle. And I'm like, no, if you have the opportunity to tell your story in a memoir and it's being bought and you're a celebrity, you do have a power and you do have a, like you're telling your own story from your perspective. And that is not the absolute truth. This yes. is your side. Do I we- guess that's, it would shift the power dynamic. Like if mm-hmm. they're on our show, we're the ones in charge. So no matter how imbalanced it would be like in a conversation locked in a room together, when they're on our show, we're the ones kind of in charge. Have you guys ever gotten done recording an episode and been like, Whew, we went in today. Like we, like we might've gone too hard on them, but whatever. Yes. Yeah. But I think, <laughs> yes. But I, then we put it out there and it always gets better feedback than we think because I don't know, like, no, if someone's firing us up to be that bitchy, they're probably, there's something that's doing it. Also, they're (laughs) always worse than they actually even come across in the book. And that's the truth of it. Well, it's also like, it's a thing where like, if you write, if you have something in there that is worth talking about on your podcast, that is worth kind of giving that shit to, it's, it's interesting that it, it taints everything else in that chapter. It taints everything else in those passages because you just kind of are like, okay. You, you, once you start rolling your eyes, it's hard to stop, especially in those yes. scenarios. And people are writing to make themselves look good. Like this is their, That's their best opportunity. effort at like a PR spin to turn whatever people think about them into exactly what they – like it's their best opportunity to control the narrative. So if they're trying to make themselves seem like kind and generous and cool and smart and they like false – and they can't. I'm just like, well, then you must be like extra unkind and extra miserable and extra sucky because you were like putting in so much effort to do the opposite. And if you couldn't, you must be awful. (laughs) If you are famous enough to command having a memoir or a biography, it seems like you would be self-aware enough to be able to write about yourself in a way where you're not just going to get like completely skewered by Can I say, people. I think it's the opposite. You would think, but I think if you're that famous, you will have a way of living life where you're surrounded by an entourage, people's entire career. Like, you know what I mean? The thing is, as you get bigger, you have employees mm-hmm. and their entire livelihood is based mm-hmm. on keeping you happy and keeping you famous. Mm-hmm. And, and I do keeping think you the, working. Mm-hmm. And it's the yes man effect of you just get further and further from the truth of what people actually think of you. That's, I mean, that's that's extremely true. Yeah, maybe you just go from being self-aware to just being that full, full-blown narcissist who's mm-hmm. like... Because I kind of think no one can be like fully, fully self-aware and achieve success in the entertainment industry because in order to get there, you have to have like either a little shred or a heap of delusion mm-hmm. because you have to believe in yourself so much in order to pursue something this stupid. Like... I mean, us pursuing comedy, that's I mean, very we, dumb. We were just saying, this is like year nine and we're finally breaking even. Yeah. Why were we eight years in the hole? <laughs> we just kept no, being like, I mean, nobody's but left it's crazy. yet, but we're funny. <laughs> it's crazy. But like you referenced yeah. before we started recording today that you started following Sunday Scaries a long time ago. Like, I mean, I, this is year 10. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, start, I started doing it 10 years ago and I feel like I feel like now it's actually hitting its stride for the first time. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, like, the work that goes into those kind of things. What were you guys doing the entire time that you were trying to do the stand-up thing, do the podcast thing, do everything? I had a day job. I mean, I was an admin. I was an EA. I was an admin at one point. I was a preschool teacher. And this was up until… Preschool teacher? I think I quit June 2021. So okay. I have been doing this full-time. I quit before we had even made a dollar. Mm-hmm. I think three months after I quit my job, we were able to each pay ourselves like 500 bucks. Yeah. And I was like, I made it. <laughs> I literally got a tattoo. I was like, this is it. We're on the other side of that. Like that is not a livable income, $500 no. a no, month. No, not, not, not in Williamsburg either. Not, not in anywhere. <laughs> I mean, the cost of America. living in the United States. Yeah, I was a I was a social media person and then I was a copywriter. And then I went to like freelance copywriting and strategy. And then I like started weaning off of my freelance projects last March. So like March of 2022. And then I was fully, like I had no clients by August. You, I wouldn't bring this up to people normally if I, if I didn't already hear them talking about it on their own show, but you've talked about being fired so many times. Was it you, right? 
Both we have of both us. been fired a both lot. Both of you guys? Wait, how, both? Do you, how do you I deal with that kind of rejection? Job because I thought they were going to fire me and then they kept like moving the meeting and I literally was like, I can't take it anymore. I quit. <laughs> and then I quit and they were like, why are you leaving? And I was like, well, I uh-huh. thought, uh-huh. I thought this was, I thought I was helping you guys, but um, yeah, I like forgot about my very first firing until recently, but I got fired from like my first adult job when I worked at an ad agency. Oh, my first adult job was being a waitress. I got fired from that. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I guess. It gets easier every time. <laughs> I guess that's a good way of looking at um, it. But I do think overall it was like helpful that none of them were like my dream job. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't – I never – I've never been fired when I'm in a place where I'm like this is where I'm meant to be and everything's going great. I'm like, firing her tomorrow. So yeah. she has 24 more hours to say that. <laughs> yeah. When I got fired from a – fashion blog that I worked at. You guys know. If, if you know, you know. Um, I remember being so sure of the exact date and meeting that I was going to get fired at. I like for the week before was like clearing everything out, mm-hmm. got everything out of my desk, everything feel- out. I've never been – I'm not trying to uh-huh. flex. I've never been fired. Um, and it's mainly because I, my anxiety causes me to make myself indispensable places. Yeah, okay, and- narc. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's, 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 it's kind of a dork-ass like version of me. But uh, – it's it's you, there's a feeling when you know something's about to shift at the company that you're working at, and it's like, yeah. oh, this is about to get real ugly real quick. And this job was one that I had like actually dreamed of for a really long time, and then when I got it, it was nothing like I thought it was going to be. And then there was like a couple of shifts in the company, and on the last shift that I experienced, I was like, well, this is the end of my road probably because mm-hmm. they moved me under someone who absolutely had it out for me was like constantly just like being so mean to me. She is a true enemy of mine. If I ever saw her again in the street, I would probably... Was that a cathartic episode for you? Yeah. I mean, and this isn't the book person who was in charge of the company isn't the person that was like my numero uno enemy. But when I got fired, they... I mean, it was like a small office, like loft space. So Mm -hmm. they weren't going to do it like in the room in front of people. So we would go down to a coffee shop to have meetings. So I got fired in a coffee shop. Oh, you love a public firing. And it was... And then when they that were like, just jogged okay. my memory of when I was fired from an internship, an unpaid internship. <laughs> nice. They were just like, please stop coming And in. so, like, I think it's about creating your own little victories because you know what's going to happen. There's no point in changing it. And so for that one, I'd been clearing out my desk for the week leading up to it because I knew exactly what was going to happen. So every day I would, like, take a couple things home in my bag so it didn't look like I was clearing out. But I was. And then at the coffee shop, she was like, okay – if you don't want to go back upstairs and like face everyone, I'll go get your things for you. And I said, I have all my things with me. And yeah, I just I'm had good. like a little purse with me that I'd brought down to the coffee shop. And she's like, oh, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, I have everything I need with me. I can just go. And she was like, okay. I was <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen this coming for two weeks now. So there's no need to go back upstairs. I mean, and like the look on her face was really – the tiny victory I needed that day. Seriously. I mean, that that's the kind of look where like you go back upstairs and you might look around at everybody and be like – Maybe I need to uh, turn the other page and go the other way. Yeah. Ah. Uh, well, now you guys are blasting off like NASA, so it's all good. Can I will we- say, looking back, I would be like, I wasn't fired from all the jobs, but all of the jobs would sometimes like graduate without me. Like, yeah. I worked at a, I was an assistant at a preschool teacher, and one year they were like, "Well, if you want to come back again next year, you need a master's." And I was like, "I need a master's to be an assistant preschool teacher." So it's <laughs> like there were as a natural end. I was an assistant to one guy who quit and didn't tell anybody. So. I was like, wow, this job is so easy because for six months I was working there as an assistant to somebody who wasn't there. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's like the easiest job in the world. That he was like finally leaving. I'll never forget because they were like, where has he been all the time? I'm like, oh, you know, he's on that IBM project. And they're like, we don't have an IBM project. And I was like, huh? huh? What? Like, what? <laughs> and then I got an email. And they're like, hey, Claire, quick chat. And I was like, I literally, I remember skipping down and like, bah, 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 I can't wait to chat. And they're like, well, this is obviously your last day. And I was like, that was not obvious to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I will say I regret because I feel like, I never took my day job seriously because in my heart, I was always like, well, it's for the ultimate goal of paying rent so I can See, stand up. that's actually – and that, that yeah. I think that might be a huge difference with other people who yes. have lost their jobs before. Like the jobs that I've had, I, I didn't have any ambition outside of those jobs. I was just like I, – I don't want to say I was trying to climb the corporate ladder because that's never what I was trying to do. But I was at least trying to find a job that was comfortable and that was good. And, and that then, you could rely on. Exactly. Yes. And But then seriously, once I started doing Sunday Scaries, I started to have the realization like – oh, wait, I could have way more fun in life. This is actually viable. I could go do this. And then I got hired to come down here. Um, and I was like, perfect. Like yeah. that worked out very well for me. And I got to I got to quit my job on my terms. 
Um, but I, yeah, I guess I guess getting fired is probably a little easier when you're like, well, this isn't really my dream at all. Yeah, and I and feel like that, but I will say I like regret not putting more of myself into those jobs because as I said, when you do the thing you love and that becomes your job, there are always going to be tasks. There's always going to be like emails to respond to, admin shit. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be parts of like the thing you love most that you're not obsessed with that you still have to get done. And I feel like building that muscle at other places would have served me better. Like me and Ashley are bad at admin stuff and we work our butts off and it still sucks. Yeah. Like the amount of times we have scheduled a trip and forgotten to get a car or I bring us to the wrong hotel or whatever. And I'm like, damn, if I'd been honing these skills those years, I was literally an assistant for someone mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. would probably served us today. It probably would have, yeah. <laughs> and there are, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I also don't want to say that I never had like, fin I had a lot of financial insecurity for like from getting fired that like caused me a lot of anxiety. So that I don't want to like paint into not a thing. Yeah, like and there was that's a different. Yeah, that's kind of a different anxiety yeah. that just is a, a a byproduct, and and that's obviously not the fun part. Yeah, and I I think like a lot of it was like yeah I don't want to like kill myself to like make this corporate a holes dreams come true because like I'm trying to make my dreams come true, but then you get fired for like not putting your heart and soul into someone else's company. And then you're like, oh my God, I also have rent. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, before we get into our listener questions, uh, which we have some pretty funny ones, if I do say so myself, let's hear from our friends over at Z-Biotics. We all have busy lives these days and can't afford to waste a day stuck on the couch because of a few drinks the night before. And Z-Biotics is the answer we've all been looking for. Z-Biotics pre-alcohol probiotic is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this product, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut where you need it most. Just remember to drink Zbiotics before drinking alcohol. Drink responsibly and get a good night's sleep to feel your best tomorrow. Give Zbiotics a try yourself. Go to zbiotics.com slash scaries to get 15% off of your first order when you use scaries at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash scaries to use code scaries today at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode. Are you guys ready for some questions? Yes. Yes. This one I enjoyed, and mainly because I think I know one of the answers to it. What reality show do you think you'd most belong on if you were on a reality show? Most? Oh, my gosh. Um, or maybe not even most belong on. Which one would you like to go on the most just to be almost like a, a planted mole? Ooh, a planted – I mean, Vanderpump Rules, I guess, at the at the time, right? See, I, I'm so I, – I feel like Vanderpump Rules is a show that I need to get into, and I just haven't done it. Oh, God, those, peop those people make me anxious. I don't think <laughs> that's a good show for people with anxiety. Yeah, I, like the only I, should show. Not, I should not watch that that's show. That's the then. only show my boyfriend won't watch with me because he's like, all the other shows you watch is people being crazy, but he's like, this is just a show where people are bad friends to each other. Just and I terrible to each other? <laughs> They're just bad friends. I feel like I would love a dating show. I love a first date. Yeah. I would I, love a million first dates. I think I would love being on Love Island. I think it – they're just like laying around on couches chatting all day. We love chatting. Mm -hmm. I also would like The Bachelor just for the – I would go to make friends. I think yeah. hanging out with 16 new women in a house, doing nothing but chatting. I love to chat. Yeah, I think that's why I wouldn't like The Bachelors because at the end of the day, like you're all competing with those girls for one guy. Even yeah. if you're not competing, Nobody whatever. cares about that guy. We're all right. competing for Instagram but I followers. Like, Correct. Correct. I don't like the guys of like actually wanting to be with that one guy. Whereas Love Island, like you get to sit around and chat all day, but you get to like pretend you have autonomy in who you pick. Fair enough. And I, part of the reason I love watching Love Island is to watch like the friendships that yes, bud from yes. that. Like the the bromances that happen on that show are just absolutely hilarious. Sometimes, so cute. are you guys current on this season? No, <laughs> we are. I'm I'm very current on this. It season. is okay. And I'm hoping for, I get COVID soon, so <laughs> just, I can stay <laughs> home for a week. You can and just go sit out. there and do it. Please do not get COVID until after we're done with our tour. <laughs> yeah, don't just make sure you get it I'm after the. I'm literally shows. begging you. I'm begging you. I'm begging COVID, please. <laughs> but you, which one of you's watched Love Island the most? Ashley's watched Me. more seasons. We had actually Amy from which season was that? Season four. Amy. Amy Hart from season from Kurt or Curtis. Yes, yes, yes. Curtis. She just had a baby. She was a fantasy NBC, and she's obsessed with Scientology. So she, she just had a on. baby. She's yeah. obsessed with Scientology. So she came on and did Liam Remini's book with us. Oh, so she's obsessed was... with Scientology. In she's a critic of Scientology. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, she's I was not like, a Scientologist. I was not expecting Amy to be a Scientologist. Yeah. She probably has uh, – I would – oh, man. Did you guys talk to her about, like, everything? Yeah. Oh, yes. We talked for a while, and we still DM and stuff. And she just had a baby, so we probably won't get to see her when we're in England. But, um, yeah, we love Amy. And I had watched that season before – I, we before she ever DM'd us, and I remember she like 
actually tweeted about us and I was like, Amy Hart, I know that name. What the hell is going on? I felt so bad for her the entire time. Ugh. I was like, you're getting absolutely wrong in Casa Amor right now. You got to figure this out. You got to <laughs> figure this out. Um, let me see. What books have you hated beyond a reasonable level, like loathed even at a justifi an unjustifiable level? Is I there think, anything that jumps out? I mean, I have this. There's a team answer here. I have like a real like stock answer for this question. I like hated Josh Peck. For a reason like deep in my soul that I don't think was warranted, but I don't think he's a good person and I will stand by across the board. I like think that there is probably something nefarious going on there, but I do think my like deep-seated belief in that comes from an unexplainable place. I think I could explain it. I think he reminded her of her ex, but <laughs> this we famously fight a lot and this is one of our big fights and I do want to like concede to Ashley. So our fight was that I was like, you're being unreasonable about how much you hate Josh Peck. And her thing was, well, why can't I be unreasonable? Why are you defending? Like between me and Josh Peck, why would you ever even defend Josh Peck? Why am I not allowed to my best friend to hate him unreasonably? And I was like, there is a journalistic integrity to our, no, there isn't. There's like no journalistic integrity. It's just our opinions. And so I want to stand down and say, of course you're allowed to hate Josh Peck. And I'm sorry Thank I you. even questioned that. That is such a that was such a nice exchange that you two just had. <laughs> I, well, it's like how many times did you cry over our fight? I mean, I that's like, a fight. I that, like wept over how much I hated Josh. And then every time we brought up what, that fight, we what, fought again what, about it. I don't even like. I, I, so I have very limited exposure to Josh Peck. My literally my only exposure is How I Met Your Father, which I watch with my wife now. Yeah, and I, like when he was first on the show, I looked at him and I was like, "Well, I, I don't like this guy." Like, I, what, he what's, has what's such a like yeah da 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 about him. Like yeah. there's such a like it doesn't. Feel a bazing, a bazing. <laughs> and you're like, why are you talking like that? I hate you. But that's how I feel. That's how I feel about Ryan Reynolds and people like get mad at me all the time. No, Claire hates Josh. <laughs> I hate. I don't like. I guess it's like an insecurity and a jealousness and a pettiness in my own heart. Oh, I mean, uh, like, this obviously fun. comes from a place of like jealousy and pettiness. Like, but it's like the way that he's like co-opted being funny. Him and Blake, they're like, are we the hottest people in America? Yeah, but we also rib each other. Yeah. We're, we're we, so hot, but we're like a little bit silly, but yeah. like always on our own terms. And I swear to. I think God, this is anyone. what it is. But they have like, I feel like they have like a team that manages them in, yes. each individually. And then they have like a couple team and they're like, okay, here's how we're going to do all your couple posts. And I've and also it's heard like, Stop. that he has her locked in a basement. <laughs> is that <laughs> Have you heard that? I have heard that he has her locked in a basement as like both a truth and a metaphor. <laughs> and metaphorically, I it literally. because supposedly he is hyper controlling about her career. Here's what I want to say. About well, he's, why I mean, it, you can't be as successful as he is without being controlling in some parts of your life. Like, all I the mean, he is so insanely yes. successful. Here's what it is. is I think like, great comedy comes from like a place of vulnerability. And I think there's people, nothing vulnerable about I think him. people like yeah, Ryan Reynolds, true. people like Josh Peck have this comedy that is so ironic and such an armor and like not ever giving you a dent of anything true. Mm -hmm. Like the thing that yeah. you're laughing about yourself should like kind of be able to make you cry a little bit if mm -hmm. you were told it by the wrong person mm -hmm. like you ever tell a joke and then people are laughing and you're like okay but stop laughing That's like if funny. like if a little kid says it to you you walk away from that conversation yeah being like, like Fuck <laughs> oh you could see it too yeah, it's, it's like, not just in my Fuck. head like that must be way more evident than i thought it was and i, yeah. I hate that about ryan reynolds and josh peck that they yeah. have no vulnerability to their comedy yeah it's there's weird. like a gratingness to it yeah it's like and i yeah the the jealousness and the pettiness of it like it, it exists so hard with me because i'm like oh yeah i would love to have like a gin company that i sold for a billion dollars i would love to own a soccer team over in the uk i would love to do all these things but for some reason I sit there and I'm like, oh, you're just weirding me out. Yeah. yeah. It's unjustified, weird. but it is what it is. Well, it's like, why have all There's those things and then weird. you have to be funny? Shut up. Let it go. Stop paying people to write funny things. Like, you know, you don't have to be everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. Even on like the, even on like the television show that he had about the soccer team and stuff, like he would do zoom calls and I'm like, you, you're, you still have the bit going. Like you've become the bit almost. Yeah. Have you seen free guy? He was in this movie no. free guy. And he, that's the thing is he like plays himself. It's Deadpool. It's the, I can't stand like the ironic. I'm smarter than you. Like I'm in on the joke and I'm yeah. above the joke. He but crushed, like, he crushed joke. Van Wilder and he was like, that, I'm doing this for the rest of my life. Like Jim Carrey lower jaw laugh. You uh -huh. know what I mean? Uh -huh. You know, when the, the mouth is like, like they look like a Pez dispenser and you're like, there is something evil in your eyes. It's not your whole face that's moving. It's like a, <laughs> like you're, contr it's controlled. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sorry, we can move on. I didn't no, I get really it. I get it. I, no, I enjoy this. Uh, this next one is very specific. I only know very few things about this memoir just because of, I, I watched like a Today Show feature on it. Uh, it says, whose memoir is the least Sunday Scaries approved and why was it Jeanette McCurdy? The least Sunday Scaries. So does that mean like the most anxiety in I guess so, but I don't understand how hers could be worse than, I don't know. I made a list of like several where I was like, oh man, I, I do not want to read these. I think hers would be like oddly cathartic. Right? Because like, she came out the and survived. Stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, and the mom's dead. She can't hurt you now. Yeah. She, <laughs> she can't go back and get like a sad text anymore. 
Yeah. I'm trying to think, like, I'm, I had a list somewhere. Oh, where you I know, made... there's definitely, it, it would be people you don't expect because it'd be all the women who, like, get out of abusive hu- marriages and they're like, and now I'm with a new guy and he's so great and he won't let anyone hurt me because I can't leave the house. Very, like, Ryan Reynolds style where you're like, oh, no, you haven't learned a fucking thing. Like, yeah. there's a lot of people who go through trauma and because they're out of it logistically, they think they're good to go and you're like, you haven't learned what in your heart. Like, yeah, you I can't have think not of a specific healed. one, but there are some that, like, leave me with a lot lot of anxiety because I'm like, I am worried for you. I'm scared for you. What about like Matthew Perry? Oh, that one makes me anxious. Like that one scares me. I don't like that that is supposed to – like he's promoting that book as like a beacon of like sobriety. Like he wants it to become like required reading sober literature and he's been sober for like maybe a year. Yeah, like – But unconfirmed and I'm like, I don't edge. think you should have written this. So What's your nightmare blunt rotation of memoirs that you've read? Oh. Oh, I mean, obviously, Lena Dunham would suck. Uh, I think she'd be a tough one to um, to to sit around with high. Yeah, Josh Peck. I would not want to smoke weed with. Um, (laughs) let's see. Steve O. I feel like would just be a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I guess we've mentioned a lot of sobers. (laughs) Um. I th- I'm trying. So we've read like maybe 130 memoirs, and they come into my head. Oh, Anna Ferris, I would not like to smoke weed with. Really? Yeah. I don't know anything about Anna Ferris. Listen to the that's, memoir. That's okay. not okay. Sunday Scaries approved. Okay. Let me tell you what. She is a ball of anxiety. She is the perfect example of every what we were page. talking about. Really? Where you're just like, oh, I don't know what situation you're in now, but I already know it's bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see who else. There are some. I think some of the reality stars. Like Lala Kent, I would not want to smoke weed with. She would just be so mean to me. <laughs> uh, the final listener question that we got, and this is this one is this one is actually a happy one, and I kind of touched on it earlier. But what is your dream pinnacle of success for the podcast overall? Like, if five years from now everything goes as, goes to plan, like what's your what's the dream? It doesn't have to be the end goal, but what's something that you'd be like? You know what? Okay, I feel like I uh, I can put this on my resume and feel good about it. We would love to have like a Broad City-esque TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think just like a best friend. Best friends trying to make a podcast and how does something always go wrong? Yeah, Boy, no, I just, <laughs> it's kind of like a stoner buddy comedy, but like we're not high. We're just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's fair. I think that's yeah. – what network do you want to be on? Uh our fantasy, we used to have this fantasy of having a TV show that only existed as reruns on VH1. Oh, that's good. <laughs> you know those shows that's you used to watch bit. when you were like sick? Yeah. And you'd like the ad would come on and you'd be like, what have I been watching for six hours? Yeah. I would love to be a show that never premiered but only reran. Okay. okay. You just only get royalties, never got any yes. upfront money? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it would air on like some website that like might not even exist anymore. <laughs> Let's do some Sunday questions. These are very soft questions for you guys. First and foremost, what's your ideal Sunday outfit? Ooh, I'm going to wear the same sweatpants for like a week kind of gal. Okay. Mm-hmm. To be, I'm like gross. And you know how people like to be like, I'm not dirt, I'm not clean. Like I'm not, I'm messy, but I'm not dirty. I think I have to like be like, I'm, I might be dirty. Yeah, I, I <laughs> might be a little bit of both. I love a like suburban like leggings and a big sweatshirt. A, that, kinda I mean, that makes sense. Thing. I'm a grout fit and Uggs girl. I love to be cozy. <laughs> you did, uh, I, you did this the other day on your TikTok and I was like, man, this kind of ruined the question for me. What's on your bedside table? Oh, that was a hashtag bless. <laughs> Use my code. Um, right now, nothing. I just, I'm actually moving right now. My boyfriend's moving all of our stuff. And so when I land from Dallas on Friday, I'll have a new place to live. So actually, quite literally at this moment, I have nothing. I have a, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I have a fancy alarm clock right now. That's the bane of my existence. And instead of admitting defeat every day, I try to learn how to use it. Um, and so that it's mostly just that alarm clock and then like a hundred notebooks that are empty. <laughs> that, I mean, that, that works. What about you? Yeah. I, I mean, we mentioned this earlier. I can't remember if we were recording, but I hate clutter mm-hmm. to like an insane degree. And so on my bedside table, it's literally a bottle of water and, um, sometimes a book. And I don't, I used to keep a cup of water, but my dog has started drinking out of cups. And so now That's I really cute. have to have a <laughs> bottled water, like a, like one of those bottle with the plastic the refillable bottle things mm-hmm. and a book, maybe. The, I think I'm I, based on your TikTok. I our bedside tables are much more congruent here. <laughs> what is the most likely thing to give you a terrible Sunday? Oh, I know. 
it's when I say I'm going to do our podcasts come out on Tuesday. We actually have a new amazing editor named Emily who's based in Austin, actually, but she's only been working for, with us for a few months. And I used to always say on Sunday, I'm going to get ahead of the editing so I don't have to be up for 16 straight hours editing to, on Monday. And all day on Sunday, instead of doing anything fun, I would say I'm about to start editing. And instead of editing, I would sit and not do anything. And then of course, you've done that thing where you've wasted the whole day without being productive or being happy. And now you have only more work for tomorrow. I, I once needed to study for a very important exam that was essentially the deciding factor of whether or not I passed a class. And as somebody Oof. who pretty much got good grades his entire life, like that was a very weird position for me to be in. But I also had no idea what I was doing. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to take an Adderall and I'm going to try to study for this exam. Next thing I know, I'm sitting in a recliner and I just read a like this like really emotional book front to back. And I was like, oh my God, I need. To, and I think at that point I was like, yeah, I'm never taking this test. Like I'm just going to accept defeat <laughs> in this class and just fail. Uh, what's your go-to brunch order? Oh, I love it. I must be, I'm an eggs Benedict with like the classic potatoes, but then I'll make someone else at the table order. I like a waffle over a pancake. But Will you like, do a table waffle for the, like everybody to partake I'll do a table in? waffle or I'll do like a split seeds with a second person. Okay. Yeah. I love okay. having like pancakes for the table and then getting like a make your own omelet situation. Ooh, so like, are you big on like a, a hotel breakfast situation where you can just like go up yeah, and, and have love- them put all the little fixings in the little bowl and then. I love being able to dictate exactly what goes in my omelet. Mm-hmm. I feel like you look at the pre-recorded ones and you're just like, oh, I've got notes, you know? I'm the opposite. I go to Sweet Green and I'm like, you tell me what goes in a salad. See, I don't know myself. I'm like, I look at cheeses and I'm like, I can't even remember what they taste like. You tell what, is, what tastes good. I overthink that because I'll go to like Sweet Green or whatever else, like those like grain bowl places. And then I think to myself like, hmm, like do, do they know what they're talking about here with their pre-made bowls or do I need to like go with my gut? And then I realize like, no, they probably have much better options. They have they research, but, but you have taste. You know it's what true. I mean? Not I me. Feel- I got no taste, baby. <laughs> Tasteless. <laughs> What's your go-to zone out TV show or movie on a th- on a hungover, otherwise lazy Sunday? I'm all about Real Housewives and like Bravo TV or like a Married at First Sight and 90 Day Fiance. But if I'm falling asleep, my fall asleep show is BoJack. Uh, BoJack Horseman. Bo- I don't know why I just Bo Jackson. BoJack Horseman or Daily you just watch Girls. Bo Jackson highlights. <laughs> yeah, I love baseball. Yeah, when I'm like just calmly planning to not really watch TV and mostly look at my phone, I usually will turn on Gilmore Girls. But if I, like, really want to rewatch something, I'm, like, a big Grey's Anatomy or only seasons one through ten, girl. Also, happy endings. Only the small, oh, only the small sample section of the ten small, seasons. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, they're on season 19. I just cut out almost 50% of it's the show. pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> if I open your refrigerator right now, which you're moving, so it might not be the best question, what would I find inside of it? Oh, I always have Parmesan cheese grated because the only food I make is pasta with cheese on it. So I always <laughs> have, like, a big thing of Whole Foods Parmesan grated cheese. Come. And then, like, 19 dressings from all the times over the past eight years that I've lived in this apartment where I've said, I'm going to start making salads. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And then never even opened the bottle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I had – I used to have like – I've had 20 roommates in that apartment. So they've all left weird things that I've never thrown out. So like tins of random fish and – I don't know. This is my favorite thing to ask New Yorkers because New Yorkers have the most fucked up refrigerators (laughs) I've ever heard. Like none of it, none of it makes sense. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah. Mine is like all sauces and then sometimes eggs. And a lot of times I'll buy like some fruits. I always have apples and I always have blueberries because those are the fruits I like split with my dog. (laughs) Well, I keep mine out of the fridge. You know me. Oh, oh, my thing actually, to be honest, to be, to come very clean. I'm a big milk girl. Okay. Uh, She loves milk. Uh, Whole milk. And whenever there's like, and my fiance is a big milk person too. And so we're always like bringing home new jugs of milk. So there's like a milk graveyard in our fridge where there's like six milks with a little bit left Mm -hmm. and then like two brand new milks. We have so much whole milk. I, I used to be – I was a milk boy growing up my entire life. I mean, Midwest, we love our milk. We love – I love a glass – a pint glass of milk I feel like dinner. I'm very, like, scarred by milk because I come from a real, like, you can't leave the table until you've finished your plain glass of milk mm-hmm. family mm-hmm. and I, like, can't touch it. I, I love Well, now, milk. after we had our son, I was like I, – I started getting back in the milk game and I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> it's like, delicious. I don't need to be doing this. It's so Nothing good. holds the chill like milk does. Like, oh, nothing God. is – like, people don't talk about how, like, milk That's not true. Crunch. A thirst when you're hot. It's like good on a summer day. <laughs> like an ice cold glass of milk. The stuff you're saying is always so gross. I'll bring like, and if I'm having cookies or cupcakes or something, I don't care. I'll oh go to the movie God. theater with oh, a yeah. quart of milk. One time we went to the movie theater. And we like, I mean, I'm a big buy stuff and hide it and For go into sure. the movie theater. If you're like, not I love, doing that, you're just you're leaving money. Like on the I'm table. from the Midwest, and so I'm I'm very used to bringing like liquor into the movie theater. And yeah. Then you buy a diet coke and you pour you. Talk it off with whatever and so 
I love I'm smelling really like bourbon at- when I'm watching like Hunger Games with yeah. a bunch of 13 year olds. I'm exactly. Like, Whatever. It's your problem. My mom taught me. And so <laughs> I, one time we went to the movie theater and I was like, oh, let's go into the bodega and get some stuff to hide in my backpack. And Claire comes to me with a carton of milk <laughs> to hide in my backpack. And I was like, what is this for? And she's like, to go with the hostess cupcakes that I'm also hiding in your backpack. And I was you can't have cupcakes without milk, and I don't think anyone listening could disagree with me. What did you put the milk in to wash it? Oh, did you just have like a small carton? No, I'm imagining I have like a, a pot. Yeah, oh, you okay, just drink okay. it straight. She asked for spare cups, and she poured a little cup of milk. <laughs> but I'm not above drinking it from the carton. I'm an adult man. It's my house, my milk, my Randy, money. Randy, are you pro milk? I like milk. Randy's. I mean, I mean, I've switched to the almond milk now. Oh, come How on. Healthy. How healthy do you drink Midwest sugar Your Midwesterns are nuts. just discussing with you right now, Randy. <laughs> awesome, man. I'm come on. Come on. Our final question today, how would you spend your ideal Sunday? Okay. I have my answer. Go. I would wake up. I would do a, like a yoga, like a, a high heart rate yoga. I would come back. I would shower. I would do a quick clean of the apartment. We would get brunch. Okay. And then I would come back and I feel like I would – hang out with my friends and then get three hours of reading done for the next week. The thing about us is like our weekend, like what is a weekend? Every day of my life could be a weekend. Yeah, you guys, yeah, you guys have a very unique, you know, schedule life's of days. Good. So yeah, it doesn't really. But I would take that to like leisurely do a little bit of cleaning, a, mm-hmm. get ahead so the week isn't so bad, but then have also gone like on a nice long walk with yeah. a friend. Me and Ashley walk to each other's houses three times a day. So I'm doing a yeah, lot of Yeah, we love walks. walking around. I love, we both have outdoor space now. So I think like a sitting outside in the afternoon is going to be really big this summer. We have not That's yet had we, outdoor space in the summer. So our life never, is about to change. This is about to be our first summer, uh, like truly alive, you know? <laughs> um, but I think mine would be like waking up a nice long morning walk with my dog where she takes me to go get a coffee, like the faraway coffee restaurants and then (laughs) have a sit down dinner coffee (laughs) at the call you know the coffee restaurant and then we come home I like to clean on Sundays and then a really big thing for me is clean sheets Sunday like I love fresh sheets on a Sunday it is really important to me so we you know sweep do like a full clean change the sheets you know listen to some music maybe while I clean lunch you hate Claire music. hates music. Hates you music, hate music. Loves music. I was literally that's talking like big... about someone earlier today who doesn't listen to music, and we were just like, "That's so bizarre that they just it's don't really listen to weird. music." I like the sound of the city, baby. So, like, yeah. do you do, like you don't even have, do you have like do you pay for Spotify or anything? No. Oh my god. Yeah. Do, does anyone? Yes. Uh. Yes. You got to pay it was a for free it. App. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you really don't like music. I use Spotify to check my own um, reviews. Yeah, on podcast, she like checks our podcast to see what number we are. Um, You're a five that's just what you are on uh, on on Spotify, at least. I hope so. Um, anyway, you guys have a lot of Spotify reviews. Thank a you, guys. A lot of Spotify reviews. I love reviews. you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Walking around. I would say most – for me, the key tenets of a good Sunday are walking around, coffees, sitting outside when weather permits, and clean sheets. I think – And I, Thai food for dinner while I watch TV. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like yeah. that. I, I'm I'm an Indian food guy, but I'm still I'm very much on board with the uh, clean sheet Sunday. Big fan of CCS before or CSS. Before yeah. we get out of here, I want you guys to plug everything that you can possibly plug to benefit you in any way yeah. that you can. Your your tour that you're doing, the podcast, anything else. Yeah, our podcast is Celebrity Memoir Book Club. It's called that everywhere. We're on TikTok. We're on Instagram. We're sort of on Twitter, if that's your jam. Yeah, I wouldn't. You don't get a value add there. But <laughs> listen to our podcast wherever you'd go to the podcast. And then on TikTok and on Instagram, Instagram I'm Claire the Scare, C-L-A-I-R-E. And I'm Ashley Ham with three M's. And yeah, CR, we're coming to you live. Should you want this in your face? <laughs> I might have to stop by in Austin tonight. I would love yeah. that. Tell us. We'll put you on the, and anybody you want on the list. Works for me. If you guys liked what you heard today, make sure to subscribe, review, or tell a friend in need about this podcast. By subscribing, you guarantee that each and every episode gets delivered directly to your phone every Sunday morning. You can also follow along on Twitter at Sunday Scaries and Instagram at Sunday.Scaries, or you can follow me both on Twitter and Instagram at Will DeFreeze. And remember, always trim the wicks on your scented candles. We'll see you next Sunday.